G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz with episode 135 of the Outback Mind podcast. Thank you very, very much for joining me once again uh, to the Outback Mind podcast episode 135. Really appreciate all your support um, and all the feedback that's come uh, throughout the journey uh, for the podcast and uh, some of the magnificent guests we've had along to this uh, to this platform. Um, it's been been an awesome experience for me as an individual and helped a lot of people. So really, uh, really grateful for you tuning in and hope you um, can share the podcast with some others that might uh, find it helpful as well. Now, I have a really uh, terrific young gentleman, or not young, probably not much younger than me, but uh, Daniel Merritt uh, on with me today. Um, Daniel, uh, former Brisbane Lions uh, fullback, a couple of hundred games at the Brisbane Lions, um, had a pretty uh, awesome career there. Uh, got to uh, line up against some pretty uh, unbelievable players. So we're going to talk about his career, talk about his transition sort of into footy from rugby when he was into that as a young fella and how he sort of uh, managed to navigate his way through to be able to be a, you know, a regular senior footballer, but also... Get some advice from Daniel around uh, mental health and well-being and how he manages himself, but also what he has observed um, over his time, which could be helpful for people listening out there. So really hope you enjoy this chat, and it's really great to bring uh, people like Daniel along uh, onto the podcast to share their wisdom and stories and um, you know help inspire other people out there um, as well. It's really, really uh, appreciated for guys like him uh, to be able to give their time to uh to come on to to chat with uh, with myself uh, and share the the wisdom and love out there with uh, regards to uh, to helping humanity. So I really appreciate it. Uh, just want to make special mention to the the partners that support us. So uh, Green Nutritional. So they provide awesome organic superfoods. If you're lacking something in your diet um, and need a bit of a boost, I really recommend checking them out. Uh, their website. They've got some terrific products which are available all around Australia. Uh, it's greennutritionals.com.au. Uh, and also we get uh, uh, some support from MacForce Australia who basically are a, a recruitment company that actually help people from incarceration out into employment and uh, they do it very, very well. So uh, if you're an organisation out there looking to hire staff and you want to try and uh, hire someone that stays with you uh, long term uh, and they also get support in, uh, in integrating back into the workplace, so I really recommend engaging with MacForce Australia because they can um, uh, help you with uh, with people that uh, you may not have considered uh, if you, you are looking for people out there and um, they're very good at what they do. So I really encourage you to check them out. It's MacForce, M-A-C-F-O-R-C-E dot com dot au. Alrighty, really appreciate your feedback on this uh, chat with Daniel and I. Welcome to the Outback Mind podcast, Daniel. Yeah, thanks for having me, Aaron. Yeah. Hope you had a good day, mate. Yeah, yeah, no, I, uh, we're both in Queensland, aren't we? So um, it's uh, it's pretty good up here at the moment. It's a bit muggy, but um, it's certainly, um, yeah, better than being cold, that's for sure. Yeah, 100%, mate. Um, yeah, the weather up here at summertime can be uh, a bit saturated, mate, but um, <laughs> yeah, very, uh, very lucky to be in God's country up here. Yeah, you were you were pretty lucky because you you were a young fella living elsewhere, and you your parents moved up um, when you you were like sort of below ten. Is that right? Um, mate, say, say that again. So, so you you were you were living in another state, and I think your mum and dad moved to Queensland. Um, you know, early on in your life, is that right? Yeah, exactly, mate. I um, 
I, I was born in Adelaide, um, and then I yeah moved up to Queensland when I was just a little fella. So, mate, I've got the um, I've got the pale skin, the red hair, and the freckles, and <laughs> mate, not very conducive to Queensland weather. To so, weather, yes, yeah, yeah, mate. Um, I, I've got a son that's like that too, and um, yeah, so uh, he he struggles a bit with it, but uh, I understand, mate. Just just on that, well, I'll fast track things a, a bit. Is there a bit of a brotherhood with the blood nuts? Like, is there is there like a bit of a recognition when you come across other fellas um, that are that are in the tribe? Yeah, always, mate. Always, <laughs> just uh, just give them a little wink, um, <laughs> mate, and a bit of acknowledgement that yeah, uh, they they do it tough. So, um, mate. Yeah, definitely, definitely got to stick together. Yes. That's for sure. Yeah, I've always wondered that, and uh, I haven't asked my young bloke too much about it. But uh, yeah, I'd imagine <laughs> it's um, it's an interesting one. We'll talk about that uh, with footy as we go here. But um, and how many uh, players you <laughs> you were around that were uh, similar? But anyway, mate, I'd like to sort of hear a bit about your uh, your your career. So you sort of went to rugby as a young fella originally, and um, sort of transitioned to football from there. Is that right? Yeah, mate. Growing up in Queensland, rugby centric, um, wasn't a lot of AFL going around, um, and yeah, grew up playing rugby league. Um, hit the, hit my teenage years, and um, mate, everyone hit puberty before me, so mm. I I used to get smashed playing rugby. So I um, ended up getting knocked out a couple of times um, as only yeah a teenager. So I actually stopped playing rugby. Um, after that and took up touch football and volleyball all through my high school years True. and then it was only um at the end of year 12 that i, I got back involved in contact sports and um the local footy club service paradise demons was across the road from my high school so mm. i joined them um love love the contact um yeah love love the game and then kind of yeah, things kind of progressed pretty quickly from there and ended up getting drafted to the Lions about 18 months later. Unbelievable. So for someone that didn't have a lot of footy experience, that's a pretty uh, a pretty incredible ride. But yeah, you obviously had some athletic ability, I guess. And it's interesting, you ended up with like Southport, is that right? Southport Sharks? Yeah, yeah. Um, growing up on the Gold Coast, um, Service Paradise usually feeds into Southport um, as you get um, into a more of a senior role. And then, yeah, I, I literally played one senior game for Southport mm. and a couple of reserves games and then got drafted okay. from there. So yeah. um, in saying that, when I, when I got to the Lions, I was no good. Like, mm. I, um, yeah, I was definitely at the bottom of the, <laughs> bottom of the heap when it came to um, talent on that list mm. when I got drafted in 2002. Mm. So um, I took a few, few years to develop um, and, and up my skills and gain knowledge to, to even even think about getting getting a chance to run on the field with the team. Mm, amazing, mate. Because um, like, that was a pretty prime time to come in because you had those premierships all in that um, in those years, I guess, and it was a pretty successful you know, outfit. Was it was it actually like you know did you did you question yourself? Did you doubt yourself? And did that sort of uh, uh, impact your mental health, um, thinking that you may not be up to it? Oh, 100%. Like, I think um, even towards the back end of my career, 
same sort of doubt would, would come into my mind. I think early days I was just so far behind everyone else that, yeah, I almost felt like I didn't um, have a hope of ever getting to that sort of level. Um, and then it was probably like, or, but then there was part of like I was so naive um, about professional sport and, and that um, because I started so late that I probably didn't realise um, how bad I was and then how um, how lucky I was to kind of to, to be there um, for as long as I, long as I was at the start. And it, it was probably a senior player said to me, "Because what what happened? I started as a forward in a ruck, and then um, I ended up um, making my debut as forward in ruck, but didn't go that well. Um, and then it was only when I Justin Leopard, Jamal Michael retired and there's an opposition to come in the back line where I swapped to the back line. That's kind of where I made my career. And mm. um, I remember a senior player just saying to me, mate, you're so lucky right, that the back line position came up because, um, <laughs> yeah, you would have been gone. And it, I, because I was probably so young and naive, I never really thought about it. But, um, yeah, a little bit of, um, yeah, sliding towards situation yeah. where, yeah, couple guys didn't retire and, and I tried to still plug, plug away as a forward in Iraq and mm. yeah my career was only lasted um, a couple of years. Might have made it mate. It's um yeah well I guess it was um an interesting time back then too because like player welfare wasn't probably as strong as what it is now and you know if you were going through those sorts of things if you did get to listen there probably would have been a lot of support for you. So um you know it's it's really amazing to to, to, to just see the opportunity open up and, and grab it. And, um, you know, you had some pretty influential people around you by the sounds of it. And I think it was Lee Matthews coaching there. Is he, had he moved on at that stage or? Yeah. Um, very, it was a very interesting time. And like you said, the welfare um, support probably wasn't the same as it is now, but we did have a really, really good um, welfare officer in, in Shane Johnson, who um, he was an absolute legend. But you also relied on um, your coaches to be welfare officers as well. And mm. we had a really good um, reserves coach in Craig Britton who, as a reserves player, he, he moulded me um, as a player and, and as a young man because um, he was very stern, um, very strong, but he also would follow up, mm. which was one of those um, things that I think a lot of coaches miss where... They might blast a player um, because obviously he made a mistake, mm. blasted him in the moment, but then there's no follow up. Yeah, um, where that's what Craig was really, really good at, where he'd always follow up um, and and then explain the situation, explain why, um, yeah, what you did was a mistake, and then then how you could get better. Mm. Um, and then yeah, with with Lee Matthews, um, I think. I don't know how he did it, um, coach that team, because there was a lot of personalities and big personalities. Mm. Like, you think of Ackermanis, Boss, <laughs> um, Alistair Lynch, you had Lepich, Mal Michael, the Scott twins, mm. um, Nigel Lappin, Luke Power, Simon Black. Like, it just goes on and on and on. And it was all these personalities mm. and big personalities. And I don't know how... I don't know how that group stayed together or um, functioned, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it was 
back, it was crazy the amount of, like, in-team meetings, the amount of different opinions and, like, how uh, it was just, um, yeah, how they stayed... Um, hum- yeah, in harmony. Uh, harmonious, yeah, was, was an absolute, um, yeah, mm. great effort by Lee Matthews. But he was very much focused on that senior team. Mm. Um, so I was lucky enough to get coached by Lee... Um, after those years, so a fair bit of my, my career. But early on, if you weren't um, in the senior team, um, yeah, you you were rarely um, even sp- spoken to. Really? Like, yeah. Because I think it, all his energy was just into that team, and unless you could bring him like some value, mm. um, yeah, it was it was really hard for him to to lend his time to you mm. in, in a short week of football. Mm, yeah, interesting, mate, isn't it? And yeah, like you, you're lucky you were probably strong enough just to uh, to, to move through that and, and not sort of feel neglected <laughs> in some ways, you know, as a young fella, but uh, yeah, um, it's good. To oh, I suppose I was lucky because there was a lot of young guys that was <laughs> going through the same thing and then you had your coaches to lean on um, and, and the other senior players who, who kind of would see it as well. So, yeah, you definitely went on your own. So, yeah, you, you definitely lean on each other a lot more. Mm, yeah, interesting. Oh, we've had a few guys that played with you there. Jason Akamanis come on and, uh, you know, he spoke about it. But uh, he, he had respect for him. There's, there's, there's no doubt about that, you know. And I think that was probably the, uh, the, the underlying factor that everyone, or those individuals which had personalities, um, you know, had respect for the individual and... Uh, He's, uh, you know, his self-discipline and that too. And I guess if everyone has that, um, you know, that the, they will follow. And, um, yeah, it just seems that that was the case, you know. Uh, obviously, things might have got a little bit funny towards the end of it, but um, it was a pretty successful period. And, you know, you need to be, um, um, you know, really proud that you're, uh, I guess, uh, involved in that sort of program and, uh, you know, what sort of come from it after that. And, and I guess you, you were never really able to play in, in premierships and, 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 that, and finals much yourself, were you, or...? No, no. So I, I missed the boat on the finals and then kind of came in when that next era came, um, next era changed. Mm. And then, to be honest, it was like, it was 10 years of heartache, like yeah. 10 years of just slogging it out. Um, I was playing fullback against the best forwards every week mm. um, and it was an absolute grind yeah. um, for those yeah. 10 years and... Um, Oh, yeah, there wasn't a lot of success. Oh nine, we had a little bit of success. Uh, success, we made finals, but apart from that, mm. um, yeah, it was pretty slim pickings. Um, I, I think I played um, to Rob for twelve years. Yeah, and, and played one year of finals, and the rest, mm. I was just getting flogged. Um, <laughs> so it, it definitely uh, tested tested the uh, the mental strength to um, to bounce back bounce back from defeat. And um, and get yourself up every week. Yeah, seeing the ball going over your head a lot um, can uh, can knock anyone around. I would have thought so. Yeah. Uh, but mate, uh, yeah. Look, I, I never really sort of um, uh, you know uh, I wouldn't say I didn't know that, but I never really observed that because I always seen you as being a pretty solid player and a, a solid individual. Um, you know, uh, and, and doing a good job in that particular position and. Uh, you know, just uh, enjoying enjoying your time, but it seemed from the outside of it all. And um, I guess there would have been moments of um, 
of self-doubt and that within within your own um, mind, um, you know, sort of going through um, some of those uh, years which probably weren't as, um, I suppose, uh, uh, you know, uh, rewarding as some of the others had probably experienced as well. Yeah, like you, you obviously look at what everyone else is doing and you wish you had success of the other teams. Um, but it's, um, yeah, it's about, I don't know, I obviously always felt like I was quite lucky to be, be in the position I was in um, and I just made the most of the opportunity I had. And um, in, in regards to how I went about it, I think I um, just tried to give an honest effort every week and... Like, and in retrospect, like, yeah, we're getting beaten every week, but in the end, I was playing football for a living. It was like, mm. it, was, it was an amazing job. Mm. So, I, and I genuinely loved that. And I loved um, the contest. I loved the competitiveness, the challenge, and I also loved the fear of, um, of football as well. So mm. I just, um, yeah, really, really enjoyed my time. I think the thing about um, football, where which I found challenging, and I'll probably, being a young man, I didn't know how to handle it, was um, when I was in the leadership group, um, I was lucky enough to, to enter into the leadership group around um, 2009, when um, Michael Boss just started coaching us. Mm. And we used to do these personality profiles um, so predominantly all our leaders at the club were in forces. Um, so Lee Matthews, Michael Boss, Jonathan Brown, um, those mm. type of leaders were all in forces. Mm. Um, and generally guys that were captains were in forces. And then you had mozzies who were the larrikins in the team. Mm. Then, then there was the other two, there was thinkers. So that, that was like your Nigel Lappin, your Luke Powers, who mm. were real students of the game. And um, yeah, just always... And then you had um, you had feelers, so feelers are quite um, emotional, um, and yeah, and and reserved, and that's what I am. Mm. So I I was like an odd fish um, in the pond, and where everyone else was in forces, and I was a feeler. Mm. Um, it I I didn't know how. Like I always thought I had to be. Um, for me to be a good leader, I had to be Jonathan Brown, you know. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I was, I was for a while. I was, I was trying to pretend I was someone I wasn't. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, as a young guy, um, yeah, I, I was just trying to do the best I could, and I just wasn't being myself. Yes. Um, particularly as a leader, um, yeah, and and as a person in that environment. Um, so yeah, little little challenge about that through my career that I found challenging mm. where it, it was also because you're in the public eye like um, and you're always being criticised on like your performance or um, pretty much whatever you do um, yeah it was always I always found it hard to be yourself and be comfortable um, yeah just to just to be yourself in that environment um, yeah oh mate it makes sense don't worry you're a performer, and, and you, you you can be a performer in the workplace. Uh, same thing, you know. You're sort of given a title or a role, like you were, and and you're expected to perform. And and, and it sounds like you were 
were really a bit unsure of your own identity, so you were trying to grab onto someone else's to to take you on the ride sort of thing, and that's really common for a guy, you know? Like, it's interesting, you, you think about it, like you're a year 12 kid and all of a sudden you're in this in this system and you're on a on a pedestal because you're in this program which is uh, a successful club and you probably never had much of a chance to work out, you know, who you really were as an individual and your own identity and that, I guess. Would that, would that sort of be right? Oh, 100%. And then that's, yeah, it's kind of, um, yeah, you're, you're left to try and um, make that up as you go, mm. but yet you're, you're part of a team, part of a system, told, like, how to behave, what to say, mm. what to wear, what to eat. Mm. And, yeah, when, when you... And so you kind of just, um, yeah, try and fit the mould... Uh, and and fit into the system, and yeah, and like post career when when you sit there and it is that question like who who am I and like who, can can I be myself? Where for such a long time you always had to um, second guess your actions because like you, I always remember looking at my mates growing up in their twenties cutting loose. Mm. Um, and I like I just you just never I could never do that. Mm-hmm. Um, one because um, I'd always get noticed um, being a big redheaded guy, so I could never get away with anything. <laughs> and then um, yeah, I, I was trying to be a professional athlete, so mm-hmm. there was always yeah I could go out for a beer, but I couldn't. You could never cut loose. Yeah. Um, yep. So yeah, there's always restrictions on you, and it's like that's what it. Anyway, it, it, which is minor because. I always, like, there was restrictions on how you could act mm. um, going through that program. But then, yeah, there was that fact, but there was also the fact that you were playing sport for a living and you were privileged to be in that position. So, yes. um, yeah, there's always going to be some sort of sacrifice um, yeah, that goes it. goes into it. Tell me, mate, so so your old man, was he pretty supportive? Um, like, uh, was, was he able to sort of give you some guidance and that? while you were going through it or did you have any other mentors outside of footy you could go to to, to get some reassurance? Yeah, well, mate, interesting enough, I, um, I didn't really know my old man. So um, old man and mum split up when I was two. I moved to Adelaide. Mm. Um, he, he moved on mm. um, with another family. So, mm. yeah, it was pretty much myself and my mum growing up. Mm. And then, yeah, once... Once footy started, um, yeah, I remember he, when I when I first started, he tried to get back in contact, and I, I remember speaking to him. But yeah, it, it didn't um, it didn't last long. Mm. And then from a mental point of view, like it was mainly just a couple of uh, coaches, um, my under Eddings coach, and then um, yeah, my. Um, my Eddings coach and then my reserves coach like would be mentoring so I really relied on that program mm. at the Lions yeah. for that sort of support because I I I'd never had it outside of footy and it's funny now that I've got I've got kids um, yeah it, it definitely makes you reflect on um, mm. growing up in a single parent's household yeah. yeah kind of like you survive and like I, I survived but yeah it's like those little things you miss saying hey, along the way oh mate yeah really appreciate you sharing that and 
Um, yeah, look, uh, it's interesting. Like you know, uh, uh, for young fellows, it uh, you know can be can be can be tricky, and you know to have a male mentor and influence is, is pretty important. And um, you know, a lot of guys, uh, you know, geez, in the footy system, probably didn't have that. And uh, you think about you know your situation and think you know twenty probably ten twenty years before. Um, with regards to you know having no identity and leaving the system, a lot of those fellas that, that played AFL at a high level came out not so much broken but really lost. You know they were they were sort of coming mm. in early and leaving. You know maybe in their mid twenties or thirties and really not having anything. And um, you know I guess one 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 thing um, to to be grateful for is you know some of the the structures that are in, in in place now and probably were when you were sort of coming through, which actually gave you a little bit of guidance. But I was just going to ask you, like you, you probably um, had some moments about some self-doubt around what do I do after football? You know, I'm a footballer, I really haven't got anything else. You know, where do I go to if, um, if uh, the shit hits the fan sort of thing? You know, did that ever sort of creep in from time to time? Yeah, so when basically when I left high school, I didn't know what I wanted, like what do you want to be when you grow up? I didn't know <laughs> yeah. what I wanted to be when I grew up. Yeah. And then I was lucky that footy came along. Mm. And then when I finished footy, it was like, okay, what do I want to do when I grow up? Yeah. And I still didn't know. Yes. Um, yeah. So almost, I was there for 14 years and nothing had really changed. Mm. Um, mm. I hadn't improved my resume much because I've been playing footy for 14 years. Mm. Yes, I've done a bit of study, but again, that study was based around not really knowing what I wanted to do. So when I um, finished footy, 100%, I was lost. Mm. Um, I did a bit of coaching, a bit of commentary, um, but it was like bits and pieces and I was all over the place Mm. where I was used to structure and consistency and I didn't have any of it. Mm. I was lucky that I had an amazing family um, with my wife and kids that kept a little bit of structure. They kind of kept kept me on the straight and narrow um but yeah i i was like i was lost and it was like you know what else happens is that your wage dries up as well yeah so um yeah you, you just start thinking right where, where do i start and you literally because um like it's an amazing amazing time but it um when you go to hand your resume in it it um, it's not going to necessarily give you a job in marketing or give you a job in sales. So, um, yeah, I was lucky enough I had a friend to give me give me a job in sales, um, and then that kind of um, yeah helps me um, get on get kind of back in the workforce. Mm. And and it is like for for a free player, it's like yep, I was playing at the highest level, and I've you know summertime like I never reached premiership, but I was playing at the highest level. And then you finish, and you've got to you got to start again. You've got to start at the bottom and work yeah. your way up. And I was lucky that um, yeah, tribal sport, selling sports apparel to schools and footy clubs, um, yeah, it gave me a little little bit of a uh, a leg up. And yeah, I, I started again learning a craft. Unreal, and, and obviously that that sort of led you into getting your role now with the Lions and that, I guess. And yeah, mate, look, you know. Oh geez, you know, grab it by the balls because uh, it can it can really take you places if you you're, you're passionate and you're always intuitive uh, with regards to dealing with other humans. But 
also you know wanting to be able to learn a new new career and um yeah look i just you know getting getting back to it like some of the other guys that have come on the podcast that you know played earlier than you that just left broken men you know so um yeah certainly um you know uh yeah being able to be provided with an opportunity is tremendous and and, and sticking to your knitting is, is really important and you know just where where life can take you i guess is um is a bit of a journey and a gift, but um, you know, I do feel for, for guys that are a bit older, you know, that have had struggles and, and every, everything ever since, but never really had the uh, support from the clubs and that, um, you know, sort of moving out of their careers. And, um, uh, you know, you're, you're self-aware enough to sort of, uh, you know, to realise it. And it sounds like you were as a young fella too, sort of picking up, picking up some of the things then and, um, and sort of moving through. Did you, did you notice any... Um, any you know significant or you know mental health challenges with other players and and um, you know what was sort of going on in the environments when you when you talk about depression and anxiety it probably wasn't sort of um, you know as relevant uh, back then but it obviously is more recognised now did you sort of see in the locker rooms and uh, you know with some other players might have been from other clubs that, that probably were struggling that never really um, you know. Um, got help or they they would never sort of um you know given the guidance to be able to help move through i think now um like if i was to do a stat of guys like so say i've got my 10 good mates at footy Mm. i would say eight of them have finished footy and are like they're doing okay but they're not going great like Mm. they're doing okay Two were doing well, mm. but the rest of them, like, are just, um, yeah, just plugging away kind of thing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think the post-footy thing has massive challenges, like, mm. for all players. Mm. And I was super critical of the Players Association when I retired, um, but I can also understand that they are focusing on the guys that are actually playing. Mm. Um but yeah, that that post career, I definitely think there needs to be a whole heap more work put in there mm. from a transition point of view to, to help players transition out of the game. Yeah. Um, yep. From from the mental health point of view, like I had a really good mate that struggled with it, and I yeah I didn't realise until after um, his career was done. Yeah. Mm. So you. You can see guys that are struggling, but I think as a player, and what happens is because your focus around preparing yourself for games, it's all about getting yourself in the best position. Um, you get you you get stuck in a bubble, I think, in, yeah. in your own bubble, yes. and that's like the way you treat your friends outside footy, your family outside footy, you get stuck in this bubble. Mm. And I I definitely did that where there was a few of my friends that were struggling and I I just didn't pick up on it um, until, you know, after footy, when you when you, you get a phone call saying, mate, I'm actually really struggling. Yeah. And, it, and it, like, it shook me, like it rocked me off. I actually didn't believe it. Mm. And, um, because these guys were like super bubbly and happy and mm. outgoing, so yep. um, yeah, I, I, I just, I, you know, like in society, it, it's it's rampant. But yeah, I, I definitely think 
in that industry, in that high, um, intense, under scrutiny, yeah, but there wouldn't be there wouldn't be many many people in that industry that don't struggle. Don't no no I I agree, mate, and and yeah, same as the workforce. You know, geez, have a look at most most corporate uh, enterprises and industries, and and look at governments and all that. People are going in there and their minds are on consistently without really understanding how to switch it off and, and get back uh, and yeah. be, sent, be centered again you know it's a real art form and it's not it's not something that we uh that we're taught where we're sort of guided away from our our true alignment in many ways just through being a performer or a contributor or whatever that may be and that can really um uh you know cause uh, an imbalance and um you know uncertainty and so forth so a lot of those guys that you sort of mentioned um uh, they they had a lot of um, a lot of self doubt I'd imagine and, and lacked the tools to be able to manage their nervous system possibly and also have the self awareness around to sort of see where their emotions are at so they can regulate those emotions and and that's that's really important and you know it's really interesting you know hearing you say this because I had like a long career in um, uh, still do it now like I work in. Uh, in helping guys, uh, you know, reintegrate, uh, you know, into work, and also sort of give them some stability uh, training around managing themselves. And um, uh, yeah, mate, like like you know, a guy would get the ass out of a job, or he'd um, you know be made redundant or whatever, and just get no support, and, and then they're on their their own, and um, you know, not having the, the brotherhood around them. And um, um, certainly, um, you know, there's a big gap in society with regards to that, and uh, and it's something which can be addressed you know um, I'd love to be able to talk to some footy clubs about helping players reintegrate because it can be done a lot better as you mentioned I think and um, if people can sort of find what it is that they're sort of uh, got a, a passion and an inkling in then their life can be really uh, joyful and successful but if you're sort of going in and clutching straws and just doing something to you know fulfill uh, the financial side of things like you you've probably gone from earning a lot of money back to not much and you know, being able to, able to adjust to that and all those sorts of things um, you know, can be quite uh, soul-destroying in many ways because you're used to <laughs> doing things a certain way and that, you know, but uh, it's, uh, it's a really interesting thing, life, and, and sort of what gets thrown up at us. And, um, yeah, mate, I think you, you, you've done well as an individual and, and, you know, good on you for supporting the other guys that you did, um, you know, at, the, at those moments because... You know, a big part of this podcast is to try and give that advice. But you know, I remember years ago, a mate of mine was struggling and I didn't give him the support that I needed. Uh, I was only 19 or 20 and, and he took his life, you know, but I didn't recognise it at the time. And, um, you know, a month or two ago, I got a phone call very similar to that one and I recognised it and I went and intervened uh, with a fellow that was, um, you know, um, uh, really uh, at the at the end of... Uh, end of his tether so you know it's been able to have the, the skills to be able to pick up on um on what's going on uh with an in, individual and actually not fob it off recognize um um you know uh, that you can support them by by listening and and you know being compassionate i guess at the end of the day which it sounds like you you're able to do really well so good on you yeah I, you're right like sometimes it's literally just a phone call and and, and listening isn't it um yeah. and just knowing you're there for him because, um, mm. yeah, I can only imagine, mate, how shattering that would have been um, mm. for you. So, mate, to be honest, I don't know. I, I, I don't know who who doesn't struggle, you know what I mean? Mm. So even though we can kind of perceive like, well, we might be putting on a bit of a, bit of a front 
and mm. we're going all right. But mm. yeah, no doubt, we all struggle with time to time, and just having that support network there, um, yeah, it goes a long way. Yeah, yeah, it's it's humanology in its essence, you know, to be able to learn how to how to flow with uh with 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 natural elements more and get connected, and you know, when we become disconnected, then all the the things pop up and it's being able to recognize that too which is you know a skill that takes a bit of time and effort but um i just think you know mate us having these sorts of conversations is really important because it actually helps people um you know realize uh when they may be out of rhythm like how to how to sort of get guidance and support and help and and uh, i think that's really important that um you know we we do take some autonomy sometimes and, and ask questions and you know seek help when we need it from from people you know that you're close to without sort of fear of judgment and that and um you know it's really really nice to hear you know, uh, able to sort of help your mates out and sort of not uh not just laugh it off and, and move on so yeah good good stuff mate i was going to ask you quickly uh too with regards to the uh with the uh with regards to the the um the ranger um tribe uh was there many guys that you played with uh, uh that were 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 the same above the shoulders in the skin collection or was there um was there not many in the club and uh did you acknowledge each other as i mentioned earlier on on the field when you did uh rub shoulders with someone no i was pretty there was a time there where we were drafting a few redheads so bossy was the coach and then uh, yes young Scotty Danfield is a redhead, and then um, there was a couple of other younger boys, Joshy Green. Yes, um, from Tassie. Ryan Harwood. Yep, from yeah. Tassie as well, yeah. And then I think Le- Leppel was there as well for a bit. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, he had a few. Yeah, there's a, there's a few redheads, and obviously Acker's a redhead, but he bleaches it. But, <laughs> yeah, um, that's it. There was a few redheads getting around, so, um, yeah, no, we definitely... Definitely stuck together. There might have even been a few ranger dinners, you know, just to support each other yeah. um, through the tough times of the heat and the sunburn. So yes, um, good point. I never, never, never think of Michael Voss, but he was a standout, obviously, wasn't he? Really? So yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, um, Michael Green. I used to know his dad. He looks a spitting image of him. I know Michael. Uh, was it Josh Green? Yeah, Josh. So Michael's his old man, but ring a uh, spitting image of him. And uh, yeah, Ryan Harwood. They both from Hobart and. Um, it was really good to see oh, them yeah. go into that program, mate, with you guys. So uh, yeah, you had a had a bit of a bit of a um, yeah a tribe there by the sound of it, which have been pretty cool. So, mate, so it seems like you got got the young fella steering you up in the background, but I'll let you go. But um, really appreciate you uh, you joining in with us, Daniel. And uh, I think there's some great things coming your way in the future, mate. So stick uh, stick at it and keep doing what you're doing. No, I appreciate Aaron, and thanks for your time today, mate. And, and what you're doing is for a great, great cause, mate. So keep keep spreading the word and um, keep keep doing good things, mate. Guys, thanks so much for listening in. What a beautiful uh, young fella, and uh, really great conversation uh, with Daniel. Really uh, open and honest, um, um, you know, person, and um, yeah, really really grateful for his chat. So. Um, Love your feedback. Um, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people will uh, will, will appreciate Dennis, uh, Daniel's um, openness and honesty and so forth there. And we could have went a lot deeper and uh, a lot longer, but I'm sure we're going to have more of these chats in the, in the future. Uh, please uh, reach out to me if you like, support.backmind.com.au. Uh, please uh, share the pod- uh, podcast with others. Really appreciate that. And uh, tune in for some more awesome ones coming through soon. Cheers.